You're listening to The A-Game, an adcom podcast chronicling the week in media, technology, and agency life. Hello, I'm Jeff Culleton, Vice President of Digital Strategy for Adcom and co-host of The A-Game. For the last two years, we have promised to discuss what is new, now, and next in the world of media. In many instances, this hasn't been a challenge because the pace of our industry is constant and evolving, giving us plenty of content to dig into on a weekly basis. Over the past month, we've seen both an unprecedented acceleration and deceleration in our daily lives, an an acceleration in media consumption and tactics, and deceleration in day-to-day activity. This jagged shift, like all jagged shifts, creates a void for uncertainty and for opportunity. Today, we'd like to explore that shift through the eyes of the sports world. COVID-19 has sidelined sports in a way we've never seen in our lifetimes, thus shutting down one of the most prolific media outlets of the last century. This pause, while hugely disruptive, will open up many questions and many opportunities when our lives return to a semi-state of normalcy. To discuss the implications and opportunities that lie ahead in the sports world, we've assembled a panel of experts to discuss not only the present, but what is sure to be a very interesting near future for the perspective of a sports franchise, a media partner, and two advertising partners. Today, we welcome Sam Pines, General Manager of ESPN Cleveland and partner at Good Karma Brands, Shelly Kyatt Weston, Senior Vice President of Corporate Partnerships for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Mary Beth Pate, Executive Director of Marketing and Philanthropy Communications at the Cleveland Clinic, and Justin Morsell, Chief Marketing Officer at KeyBank. Guiding our discussion today will be ADCOM Senior Vice President of Marketing Strategy and former NFL Marketing Executive for the Seattle Seahawks and Cleveland Browns, Kevin Griffin. Kevin, over to you. Thanks, Jeff. How's everybody doing? Good. 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 Good, good, good. Well, thank you for making time for us. We really do appreciate it. Um, it should be a fun conversation. And, and as Jeff has mentioned earlier, take about 20 or 30, uh, 30 minutes to go through some questions. But we'd love for you guys to cross talk as we ask questions of one of you. If you have something that weigh in, please, please do share. Um, so let's get started. Let's get right into it. Um, Shelly, we're going to start with you first, uh, if you don't mind. Um, so today's conversation is really all about the economic impact of this COVID-19 uh, this pandemic, specifically as it relates to advertising, sports sponsorships, and marketing and media. So we, we're going to start with you because the NBA was really front and center, right? It's the one moment of time that I think we all remember uh, when the, the, uh, the Dallas Mavericks game was, was canceled, uh, and, and that was on national television. That was a moment where the first big sporting event in, in, the, in the United States was, was canceled or postponed, uh, thus leading to a postponement of the season for the NBA. So sitting in your position as the F- SVP of, of corporate partnerships for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Just walk through us what your process was. Number one, reaching out to your sponsors, uh, talking to your staff, uh, and then also how did you guys adjust from uh, getting this information out with your fan base? Yes, for sure. Well, first of all, thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having us today. Um, this is great just to listen to more of what other, other individuals are doing and, and companies are doing. So glad to be here. Um, you know, this it was a process for us. So first of all, we're lucky that we work for uh, a league in the NBA under leadership of like Adam Silver. Um, that's usually first. Um, so he's been known to be first, and especially when it comes to social or community aspects. And so we, we always typically are prepared for that. Um, although I would say this is not something that anyone could, could have been prepared for. Luckily, we started preparation early. So this has been going on for a few weeks now, I would say, um, you know, early March, uh, and even before that, um, we were watching from afar as an organization, what other countries were doing in sports, 
Um, you know, you look at Italy uh, and they started canceling games. And then we looked at California. Um, they were having a lot of venues and sports properties that were having to have impact based on what state and local officials were saying and how that impacted uh, games that were going on. So we developed a coronavirus task force very early um, and started having internal discussions of what we would do, making sure, you know, our staff was having the proper hand sanitizer and keeping their hands clean um, and, and, and taking all those proper precautions. And so when the NBA, when Rudy was diagnosed with COVID, um, in the NBA, uh, and it was immediately suspended. Luckily, we had taken some um, preparation steps um, to make it a bit of an easier transition. When we looked at it from a leadership standpoint of prioritization, um, it was very simple. Um, you know, typically when you think of business, it's you go business first, but it really was like, what's going on with our staff and our community and how can we help? Um, we started with our staff and their health was most important. I mean, we had people that were sick and scared and, and we didn't know do. So we leaned on um, Cleveland Clinic actually from a medical expert standpoint to have doctors on a weekly basis just sort of take questions. And look, some of the questions didn't have answers, but some of them they were able to at least guide and give them um, just the right information um, that was available. And so their health was most important from a priority standpoint. I would say immediate financial impact became important. So for us, um, we had MAC NCAA, Michael Blueblay, all of these part-time staff members were ready to work those events and prepared for the compensation that came with it. And we couldn't just say, okay, sorry, we don't have these events, we can't pay you. Um, so our immediate financial impact became a priority to making sure we covered all of them for that. You saw Kevin Love um, donate $100,000 to part-time staff, which started taking a wave across all of sports, um, which was amazing to see. Um, so that was, that was part of, from a staff standpoint. And then from a transition standpoint, we started transitioning people to work from home. Um, I, we're still transitioning, right? Trying to figure out how everybody can learn how to work from home, but making sure they have the right technology, making sure they have the right resources, computers, and family, by the way. So how do they work from home now with kids and their homeschooling and there's um, parents there? Uh, I have a seven-month-old myself, so we're still figuring it out. Um, so, um, so staff came most important. And then obviously from a, a partner, um, Wine and Go United foundation member standpoint, it was all about just checking in. I mean, we, um, you know, it was a matter of reaching out to say, Hey, what's going on in your world and how can we help? Um, and by the way, just what's going on in your world. Um, cause we're figuring this out day by day. We, we had some great conversations early. Um, when you think about partners, uh, that restaurant partners that, we're basically having to close down. Um, and so we were able to create a landing page that housed all of our partners, our restaurant partners in there so that we could tell our fans to go and support them right now, right? Not two weeks from now, like today. Um, and we were talking to, um, through a, just a, a conversation, I think passed by, uh, by Jeff and our team about the blood drive, that there was a, a shortage in blood. Something obviously, you know, clinic knows a lot about, but we, we weren't aware of that, but we were able to um, talk and collaborate and find and create a blood drive that Cleveland Clinic really spearheaded with their expertise. We had a venue, um, and by the way, no other venues around different markets were doing this because people were scared um, to, to really touch it, and we've been able to, to, to have a lot of success there. So really the check-ins, um, I would say, from a stakeholder relationship standpoint became important, and then community, uh, just figuring out, you know, we've done a lot of work with the, um, the food bank, uh, Cleveland Food Bank, 
um, and, and just, you know, our coach Bickerstaff actually got involved personally um, giving donations. And so it's just been an ongoing um, process, but the prioritization really was staff, uh, our stakeholders and community and just how can we help. Thanks, Shelly. That's, I appreciate that. And, and uh, we're going to come to you next, Sam. But before we do that, I, I, it's, it's really interesting to think about the, what we oftentimes talk about in sports as a corporate partnership really blended into a real, a true business and community partnership with the Cleveland Cavaliers and the, and the Cleveland Clinic. So, Mary Beth, I don't know if you want to speak to that at all, but it's, it's, it's phenomenal to hear you guys didn't have any business conversations. You talked about the human capacity of what you could do as a partner to bring that partnership together. Yeah, I mean, this is these are obviously unprecedented times, right? And we're all learning as we're going through this process. Um, and partners like like the Cavaliers specifically stepped up in so many ways. I mean, just everybody hears the the term PPE, right? So we need gloves and masks and all of these things. And so we immediately reached out to them to you know see what kind of supplies they could provide us. We were looking for storage units that had um, temperature control. They're letting us use some of those facilities that they own. Um, as Shelly mentioned, the blood drives, awesome. getting players involved. I mean, there are so many different things that we're learning through this process that we are leaning on partners for. And those aren't things that are written into contracts. That's just being good friends, good partners, um, and community members. So we are so grateful to them and for everything that they've done so far. That's awesome. That is truly heartwarming to see the, 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 it's the way it's supposed to work, right, in sports. It it's, is. It's not a contract. It's a partnership and friendship. Yep, Thank exactly. you both for sharing that. So, Sam, we want to jump over to you. When we think about the ecosystem of sports outside of the teams and the leagues themselves, then the next large revenue component of sports really is, is our, our broadcast partners. And so uh, we're curious to understand from your point of view, not only here in Cleveland, but all the properties that you oversee and manage uh, around the country, how is this, this kind of universal stop in sports impacted your business um, and and I'd be curious are you seeing an uptick in on digital viewership on your digital properties and or listenership across your radio station properties yeah um, so first thanks thanks for uh, thanks for having me um, and uh, you know appreciate you guys doing this and it's it's heartwarming to hear the the stories um, of the community coming together that both Shelly and Mary Beth um, highlighted it's it, it really is cool um, on the other side is the small business owner which is the heartbreaking side and um, seeing how you know local businesses are you know just trying to survive right now is is tough um, and you know from our standpoint obviously there is the revenue side which which you mentioned which I think most businesses 99% of businesses are being hit with right now um, and obviously as small businesses are figuring out what to do, you know, they are going to invest less in marketing as are a lot of big businesses. Um, so we do feel, you know, we feel that as, as I said, most businesses are feeling um, across the country. Um, the, on the other side of it is, you know, normally in the broadcast business that can happen because of lack of consumption or decrease in consumption. Um, we are seeing a definite uptick in, um, you know, first on the audio consumption side, yeah. there's, you know, there's a couple of factors in audio, um, which, you know, which are, um, one people are at home and they have time, uh, unfortunately. Um, so we, we see it from that. Um, the other is ease, right? Like now people can walk around their house and just yell that they want to listen to us. And this little speaker thing 
just starts playing whatever you know and so like that is you know so we're seeing an uptick there um the uh, on the video side tv and video is up a lot um and you know what we're seeing from a um from a real positive side is creativity yeah and and different different businesses i mean locally for opening day um our nine to one show with a really big show with uh aaron goldhammer and tony rizzo they um they didn't want to do the woe is me opening day show um so at uh uh, and Aaron hadn't booked many guests and it turned into Riz betting Aaron how many former Indians he could book in those four hours. And I think they set the over under at seven and a half. Yeah. And I think he got number eight at like, you know, 1256 or something. So, um, you know, I, I think there's just some, some fun creative things that are going on. And then on a, um, on a more national level, uh, you know, April is going to be pretty big um, for what there is. Uh, you know, you have the the draft at the end of the month, which, which is pretty cool. Um, you have uh, you have the Last Dance, um, which is a collaboration between the ESPN, NBA, and I'm forgetting somebody. It might might even be Netflix. Um, but it's, you know, a huge collaboration for the uh, Michael Jordan years in Chicago um, that's going to come out now April 19th. They had to get creative and figure out a way to, to launch that early, and, and we'll see that. And then on the eSports front, um, there's a 16-person tournament with 16 NBA players that um, will be playing each other um, in NBA 2K. And... You know, so I just think you're going to see a lot of creativity. And I know from our team, I've been incredibly impressed with the creativity that, that everyone's coming up with around the country and locally to, uh, to keep consumption going and keep it positive. That's awesome. Awesome. Thank you. I uh, appreciate that, Sam. I'm going to put a pin in that conversation about, or that point about creativity. I want to come back to that in the conversation a bit later, if you don't mind. Um, Mary Beth, we want to come over to you uh, again. Um, first of all, Thank you to you and everyone at the Cleveland Clinic. You guys are literally on the front line saving lives and battling this coronavirus. So I um, wanted to make sure we take a moment to thank you and all your colleagues at the Cleveland Clinic for leading, as you guys always do, but particularly in this uh, difficult time. So thank you. Um, so it's an interesting time in that your organization is, is focused on truly saving lives and being a thought leader around the world, not just here in the country, but around the world. At the same time, you, you're, you're managing the positioning and messaging and this communication machine that you have uh, for, for Cleveland Clinic, not only just your sports partner, partnerships, but everything that you do, both in philanthropy and marketing. So can you talk to us about the, the, the mindset and, and how you guys are prioritizing kind of your go-to-market plan right now in messaging? Sure. So, well, first of all, I want to thank you guys as well for having us on and having this conversation. Um, I love seeing all my colleagues because I don't get to see them in person right now. So for us, obviously, our first priority is keeping our patients and our community up to date with information and safe. So from a true go-to-market strategy, everything was paused and everything moved for really that. Um, we've now really evolved a little bit of our messaging from you know, keeping the community up to date on what's going on um, to also thanking our frontline caregivers. So those are the nurses and doctors that are doing the testing, that are treating the patients that are in the hospital, and how do we keep them energized? And so we've really 
done really a twofold process here. One is making sure our content is up to date and using as many platforms as we possibly can. So whether that's partnering with the Cavs and the Indians and our media partners at ESPN Radio and others, um, getting out PSAs, getting out information on how people can recognize and support our caregivers um, has been really the number one priority. An area that I do have the, um, the great honor to, to manage is our philanthropy communications area. So not only do I really get to message to the community all of the safety pieces, but also what we're raising money for. And so, you know, right now our priority has been around research around COVID-19, understanding, you know, the ins and outs, how can we work on vaccines and those sorts of things. We have an incredible research institute. And then also raising the critical funds to keep our caregivers safe, um, whether it's buying more masks or, you know, more gloves or gowns or any of those sorts of things, as well as just making sure that they're getting meals and things of that nature. So it's amazing how one day you're marketing and driving patients in the front door to all of a sudden saying, we're not taking patients unless you're really sick. Um, so if there's anything I've learned in this process, it's making a quick pivot and really leaning on partners like who are on here today talking because we couldn't do it without them and we're learning and growing as well. The benefit of being a global organization is that, you know, this did um, affect our facility in London and Abu Dhabi before it really hit here in the States. So we did have, you know, some intelligence to some degree on what was coming. Um, so I think from an organizational standpoint, we were able to be more prepared um, so that we could pivot communications and advertising. And then, you know, obviously partners like you at Adcom, you know, you do much of the work for us, um, you know, doing all the outreach to get PSAs on television and such was just absolutely critical. So um, a thank you to you guys for all that you've done for us through this process as well. Yeah, we appreciate that. Thank you. Appreciate that. So Justin, we're going to turn to you. Um, so you're the CMO of KeyBank, a huge financial uh, institution. And like Mary Beth, you guys are, as this pandemic continues, you're, you're really on the front lines of the financial component, uh, not only for individuals, but large and small businesses alike. Um, Sam mentioned the small business community uh, during his first component of the conversation here today. So I'm curious number, how, curious, number one, how are you guys addressing that internally through messaging? And then how have you guys rallied around your resources to support these small and large businesses, as well as individual, um, you know, individual citizens and, and folks who have bank accounts like myself. Yeah, no, and, and want to say thank you for having me as well. And and um, it's a great question. Um, I think our role as a financial institution hasn't changed so much as it is intensified. Um, folks are looking to us for stability. They're looking for solutions. Um, and, and you mentioned a couple of those groups that I think are the hardest hit right now. Um, it's definitely individuals. It's small businesses. Um, but we are feeling that as you think about moving further up the chain. And so since day one, we've been focusing on the same priorities that I think everybody is. Do the right thing for our employees, you know, try to keep them safe. Um, we were one of the first to shut down our branch lobbies, um, to go work from home and just making sure we need to have a workforce that can be engaged because they are healthy. Um, thinking about our clients. So things like hardship relief, um, deferring payments on their behalf, coming up with solutions candidly that ordinarily wouldn't make sense for us, but they make sense in this environment. They're the right thing to do. And so the things that we're doing, um, I've been fortunate over the last once in a generation um, pandemic, and we need that kind of response. And so I mentioned it before, but 
we're truly all hands on deck at this point because we want to make sure if you're a small business and you are struggling, you know what options are available to you. And when those options are actually um, in the marketplace, that you can get your money as quickly as possible. Yeah. Thank you for elaborating there, uh, Justin. All right. We're going to move to something. Uh, th those are great answers, but we move to our lightning round. We want to uh, have some fun here and, and couple rules, couple rules for the next two questions. You can only say yes or no. Okay. And then you get one sentence to follow up. Not a long lengthy sentence like our friend Jeff normally has. One sentence. You guys know. You know? Okay. You, I have a lot to say. Yes, you do. All right. Yes or no in one sentence. So, um, so Mary Beth, we're going to start with you. Um, sports more so than any other civic structure will play a leading role in bringing our communities back together following the pandemic. Yes. 100%. Nothing to follow up on. <laughs> cool. Justin? Uh, yes. And, and I guess I'll use my one sentence to say, I think we've underestimated the cultural significance of sports and we're feeling it right now. The normalness that will come when we watch people playing sport is going to be amazing. It might be the single moment, the, the bellwether, if you will, of we're back in a normal state. Sam, Michelle, I got to think I know what your answers are here, but Sam? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my answer is yes, and to echo Justin's point, uh, the Lee Greenwood um, uh, Yankees game after 9-11, that signified we're back. Um, and that was after three days, and that might have been two sentences, sorry. <laughs> Shelly? Of course, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and I think absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I think that people already loved sports, but being not taking it for granted and, and now not having access to it when you think you can, I think people are going to love it even more and be that in tune to, to coming together. So I'm going to break my own rule because this is something we, I, some of us have really been pushing hard in our four walls is how, how particularly to the extent that anyone wants to share, are you guys hearing conversations about partners, obviously we're in the thick of this issue, right? So we're paying attention to our employees and things that need to get done. But I assume that some people are starting to spin around ideas, whether Shelly, that be at the league level or team level, how do you really use that moment, the Lee Greenwood moment as example to bring us all together? Are those conversations beginning to at least take shape in some way, shape or form? Shelly, you probably could speak to this from a team and league standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I, I think that you look at sports and you look what the, the NBA has done in the past. I mean, I will go way back and, and think about like during Magic Johnson days with HIV, like something that is so, um, so nobody wanted to touch that it brought everybody together. And I think that you're going to see a lot more of that, no different than the Olympics does, right? It literally brings people together. And um, we are seeing that we, from a league level, you know, when they were in conversations, our board of governors meetings, it wasn't just NBA board of governors. It was NHL, it was MLB, NFL. Like they were talking together and talking about decisions before they made them of how they would impact each other. Um, and so it's been interesting that we weren't looking at NBA, what other NBA teams were doing. We were looking at what other leagues were doing, right. um, how we would replicate our work together and, and figure out how to adjust. Yeah, cool, thanks. Anybody else want to weigh in on that point before we move on? Yeah, you know, just um, just to add something there, I think while there is that future moment where sport is back and we're thinking about, you know, how do you bring that to life? I think right now, you know, speak for Key Bank anyways, we have partnerships with sports teams across the country. Um, a lot of folks are really active right now in trying to find ways to be relevant in the community. And again, not to be about sport per se, but to use their platform because sport is a huge platform with corporate sponsors like ourselves to try to be in the community doing things. Um, so we're standing up some programs right now that I think will be 
impactful, but at the same time, they're, they're good marketing because they're, they're brand building. And so, again, I think there's that balance between you can do the right thing for the community while you still do the right thing for your company. Absolutely. Kev, let me jump in first. I, I think you're already starting to see it in, to, to Sam's point in a way, the level of creativity. We've, we've all become so very comfortable with these highly produced anything, whether it's a social post or you know an episode of something. Everything is so produced. Over the last two weeks, everybody has, has gotten a lot more comfortable with just communication and face-to-face -face communication, which has been very interesting in a lower tech capacity, which I think is neat. I saw something last night, which I'm sure Shelly loved, which was the replay on ESPN of games five and seven of 2016. And when you went on social media this morning, the buzz around not only that those games played, but the fact that the, in game seven, two key pieces were edited out. Kevin Love defending Steph Curry at the end, and then Kyrie's shot at 50 seconds left. So completely insignificant in the grand scheme of things. But games that happened four years ago are really starting to pull people back together. When it does come back together, it's, I think it's going to be amazing. Whatever that game is or that, that tournament or whatever it is, is going to be, I mean, it's going to be massive. It's going to be an explosion of, and an outpouring of an emotion that everybody's going to need at that point. So um, it's, Kevin, can I jump in on that? Absolutely, of course. I think it's amazing that we talk about a game that everyone knows what happened. And, <laughs> And like, you know, the the break from reality it gave everyone at this time that like social media blows up because they edited out one shot or one defensive play. Like, I think that speaks exactly to what you're saying and asking Kevin is like, that is what sports is to us. And, um, y you know, the, the role hasn't changed. It's just intensified was I think um, Justin's comment about the bank and like, it, it's true of sports right now. And whatever this this culminating event when we're back, um, is gonna is gonna be awesome. So I hope Shelly does a really good job. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you. Now, you know, it's, it's funny watching it come through and you know, like you talked about creativity and we're all pivoting on this. Um, I was lucky to be at the last game. Um, I recorded it last night, by the way. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, he, uh, we, we watched it again and it felt just as good. But, um, you know, we were, we're talking about now watching games um, before that that are airing replays on um, Fox Sports Ohio even. Yeah. We're talking about like having our players actually comment, have commentary on social media while the game is going on. So we're, we're looking at consumption so, so much differently now, and I think it's going to continue to be unique and continue to come up. But it's amazing that you now have people interested in watching a player talk about something that he was, you know, actually in at the time. And so it's just, we're seeing a lot of creativity coming. Let me, uh, let me ask a quick follow-up question to that as well. I think, because Sam mentioned it before, or, or Shelly, I'm sorry, I think you mentioned it, was, so we're going to see a 16-player NBA uh, eSports tournament. Mm -hmm. Esports, and this is something Kevin and I talk about a lot, has has been not under the radar, but has not gotten the prominence as associated to the level of attention that is being put on it by a millennial audience, a younger audience, through things like Twitch, who are extraordinarily ingrained in that environment. Do you think you could possibly see a real rocketing forward of esports right now as you attach? Uh, people like Kevin Durant, people like Kyrie, people like the, the biggest of the big in a tournament like this, in a place where normal consumers who don't see esports could really like glom onto. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you look at Fortnite and you look at these other leagues, like they're not an emerging, like they have already emerged and, yeah, yeah. and they are owning their, um, their viewership and, and where they live. So when it, it, are they going to emerge in the NBA? I think absolutely. Um, and we are seeing that now. I mean, we're about, you know, all of our leagues are on pause right now or suspended. And we are actually planning on launching our NBA 2K league at the end of the month. So we're, we're planning on coming out with it. Um, again, all safety precautions and everything, but um, it's, it's moving, it's there. And I think you're gonna definitely see a lot more player interaction with it um, from the NBA crossover, which is going to just drive the uh, viewership and connectivity up even more. It's really cool. So guys, I, and I'm gonna go with you first, Mary Beth, and then to Justin, but I'm, I'm curious, we've seen you know, some trends as, as working for an advertising media and marketing company and you know we're seeing trends we're all seeing trends around viewership on on, on television in general uh, and even sports and it to be quite frank it's been a little soft pre, pre this pandemic um, we have some a couple of properties that really dominate but it's, it's been difficult because of a fragmented media system to really kind of hold uh, ratings uh, quite frankly particularly younger audiences so um, Mary Beth, I want to start with you with this question. Do you think sports broadcast viewership and listenership will increase for most major sports properties? And let's call over the next 12 months once we get past this pandemic. Yeah, you know, I, my gut tells me it will. I, I think the one thing that sports allows us to do is you want to watch it live. Yes, we've talked mm -hmm. about, you know, we're watching rebroadcasts of things right now because we don't have a whole lot else to watch. But for, you know, the reason why we're so invested in sports and news specifically is because of the live element. Yeah. So while some of the ratings may be dropping um, across the board, I think, you know, for us, what we're looking for is right message, right place, right time, and leveraging those sorts of things. So a perfect example of that is, you know, using content that we're creating that's sports related or, you know, that the consumer's interested in on platforms with the teams. Same thing with what we do with ESPN radio, you know, so it might be more specific to prostate cancer or those sorts of topics that are going to be relevant to the consumer that's on the radio and the digital properties that Sam oversees. Um, so for us, you know, we're, you know, we're taking our con content and fragmenting it where it needs to be um, because it's not, you know, one size fits all anymore. People are, are consuming media in different ways and we need to be as nimble as our partners are. And so that's really been our strategy for the last couple of years and will continue to be, um, especially as we come out of this and want to really, you know, for us celebrate, hopefully that we're out of this pandemic, celebrate mm -hmm. our caregivers, thank our community. Um, and these platforms are going to be important for us. Justin, viewership. Yeah, so I would be shocked if it's not up. Again, I think that appetite is just building right now. Um, and, and to add to, to Mary Beth's comment, I think we place a premium on sports, not only because it's watched live, but it's generally watched as a group and not as an individual. And, and we place significance upon people interacting. Um, and it's the right type of audience. I mean, the client that we are going after over indexes on live sports. And so we think it's a great experience for them. It's a great experience for us as an advertiser. And we think that the media value is going to be very strong when we come out the other side of this. Sam, you're on the selling side of this stuff, man. How, and, and Shelly, you too. So I'm, I'm curious your points of view. Yeah, I would like what they said recorded. No, I'm the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Make sure not to edit that out, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> So in all uh, in all seriousness, um, obviously, I, I think it'll go up 
Um, but I think we're also, even before this, sports is the one appointment viewing and listening um, event left in life, right? We don't have, I think if everyone's seen the, um, uh, some of the comparisons to old TV shows, but Game of Thrones, it felt like everyone in the world saw and was talking about, and um, it would have ranked 72nd as far as an NFL game um, the prior year. So, um, you you know, the sports is that one place, and then it brings everyone together, right? People are trying to figure out how to watch Netflix movies together. Like sports, you don't have to figure out how to watch and listen and consume together. And so that's, uh, I just think it'll only go up from here. Jelly? Yeah, you know, we are selling the product, but like any any product or business, we've got to make sure that that people, it's a good product, you know, that the engagement's there and that people want to see it. And and we do believe that. And I think our numbers are luckily higher than other leagues. And a part of that is just because of our demographic being younger. Um, but we also have to ca- tailor to that. So we've had a, um, a focus group uh, and league meetings a while back in Miami and Gen Zers were on a panel. And one of the things they were talking about, they frankly they, they don't watch it as much in certain, in certain um, where they're watching it, right? How they're consuming it. And so one of the um, Gen Zers talked about how he loved um, on, on the court during some of the broadcasts, they were testing this from an NBA standpoint because they know this is something they want to work on. They put a, sh- a live shot clock that you could actually see countdown on the broadcast. Yeah. Not in every broadcast, it's only some of them. And one of these uh, students, actually, the kids noticed it. And he said, well, I like to coach. So I like to engage with the game while it's happening. And something that you think minute is changes his experience with the game. So I think that the viewership is definitely going to go up, but we have to find continue finding ways to engage with um, our fans. And I think it also helps, too, that our players are personal. Um, you know, they're in social media and people want to know what they're doing and what their dogs are doing. And, um, and then they engage with them more even on the court because of that. So we have to keep that engagement up for sure. Right. So a couple of fun questions as we wrap up, we want to be conscious of your time. Um, really curious, you know, like over the last 12, 24 hours, we found out that Wimbledon is canceled, not postponed, but canceled. So I'm curious for, for all of you, of all the live sports uh, that have been canceled or postponed, uh, that we've heard about over the last four or five weeks. Which one are you most disappointed in? And Shelly, you cannot say NBA, okay? You have to go outside of the NBA, all right? Mary Beth, how about you? All right, so I'm going to give you two, one local, um, one international. Local for me is opening day in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's you know, it's like a holiday here in, in the city of Cleveland. And then the Masters, you know, just not knowing what it's going to be on, if it's going to be on um, – just one of those things that I love seeing and, and you know, just sort of diving into. Can we, about, can we talk about the fact that it was going to be 62 and sunny for opening <laughs> for the first time in recorded history? It's I know. I mean, how many games have we sat outside in the snow watching oh. opening day? So that was a heartbreaker. <laughs> how about you, Shelly? So I think I mentioned earlier, but I'd have to say the Olympics, and I know that's a big one, but I say this because, you know, those athletes are spend four years to prepare for one event, and to have that postponed, what that feeling, what that's going to do emotionally and and just competitively, and to watch that come to play on a stage, I think is going to be pretty amazing. So Justin and Sam, I both know you've got pretty good sticks. You guys can play some golf, so I'm curious, is (laughs) is it something around golf that both of you are going to miss? Justin? Yeah, so so Masters would be my number one, um, but I am hopeful that the Ryder Cup, which is quite a bit later this year, does not get um, impacted in any way, shape, or form, and that'll be my favorite this year instead. Yeah, 
Sam? Um, yeah, uh, you know, the Masters and Tiger defending. But um, for me, the most disappointing was really um, in Cleveland, uh, you know, that, that those couple weeks of March where we had March Madness coming here. Um, and, you know, so I guess selfishly the local impact that has with the Mac, followed by opening day, St. Patty's Day in there too. Like that whole kind of – I know it's not one event, but like the economic impact um, of that um, is, is – uh, is definitely missed and the excitement of it, of actually viewing it. Absolutely. So a couple more questions and, and then we'll wrap up. Um, you know, as we think about these, these sports that are not canceled, but postponed, it feels like we're going to have a really, really tight window over potentially over a three or four month period. We've got a lot of sports. Let's say that we come back. Uh, we spin out of this, at least in the United States, domestically, we start having sports again, maybe call it July. So maybe run July through December. It's a lot of sports activities that have been re, uh, you know, re rescheduled. Um, talk to us about how you think about that from a, I want to start with Mary Beth and Justin, just advertising. How would you think about where your dollars are now going to go? And then Shelly and, and, and Sam, I'd love to have that conversation with you. Sam about programming you may end up with a real interesting uh, tension around programming And Shelly for you. Not only, to me, the summer really has been the NBA and then baseball. You might be competing against a number of sports. So, um, Mary Beth, how about we start with you and, and then Justin and go, go back to Sam and Shelley. Sure. So I, I think from our standpoint with, you know, the teams that we have partnerships with, you know, obviously most of the media is locked up in contracts. So the first thing will be sitting down with each of the teams and going through and seeing what inventory, you know, is still they're available, what's the message going to be, and then our team's working on that from a creative standpoint. Um, then there's going to be us opening our doors, you know, back to patients and really making sure that they feel comfortable coming back and feeling like a hospital is a safe place to be. And so, um, you know, using partners like an ESPN Cleveland or other media outlets and using a sports platform to have our physicians that are taking care of players talk about this. Um, things of that nature are going to be really important. So our team is already starting to look at how do we leverage both the media contracts that we have in place with the teams, as well as new partners that, or current partners, and how do we reallocate um, the dollars we have or have been saving because we haven't been advertising much, right. um, again, to get that right content and right messaging on those platforms. Um, so that's really our strategy right now. Cool. Justin? Yeah, so unfortunately, our media plan this year was was very heavy sport, and, and we were going to launch opening day, um, March Madness, Masters. It just kind of um, worked all the way through to the Olympics. I mean, we were really going to be sports heavy. Given the concentration of timing, I think, candidly, it's hard to answer that today. Um, we're going to have to rethink. We probably won't be on all of those sports events that we thought we were going to be if they're running concurrently and just thinking about what pricing looks like. And so I, I think it will have to be a, a game day decision in some respects as to what's the environment like, what's the media landscape like. Um, at the end of the day, what are our objectives? Um, just kind of echo that sentiment. I mean, it's about what are we as a brand trying to stand for and represent at that point in time. And so I think we will evolve and, and have to be a bit nimble this year, more so than most years around how we come back onto television and what that really looks and feels like. So Sam, I'm wondering about that programming clock. I'm content programming guy myself. So I'm curious, does that programming clock get a little fatter around those advertising windows? Um, what are you guys going to do? Sam, you're muted. How about now? There you go, buddy. 
Yeah. Um, it's really tough without much visibility to really know what's going to happen. I mean, the, the, you know, the end of the year that you drew up there is, sounds awesome. And, you know, and what I, you know, what I know is that, you know, our team's creativity, our team's ability to react and mobilize. And then Shelly, not Shelly, but Mary Beth mentioned it, but um, you know, it comes down to partners and how do we, you know, how do we work with our teammates and our partners to, you know, message correctly in a way that, you know, our fans are entertained and, you know, activated. So whatever that messaging is going to be, because we want to, you know, part of our partners are the community, um, w you know, which all of us, I think, are part of. And it, and it really comes down to once we have visibility, mobilizing and, and sitting down with Justin and Mary Beth and Adcom and, you know, figuring out, all right, what's what's the best way to integrate you um, with our team and with our fans? Shelly, for you, I mean, as, as a property, right, you, you now we may there may be a moment where we have the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, golf, everything all kind of a compress at one time. What does that mean for your business and how you guys go go to market? Yeah, no, I, I think I, I would echo to what Sam said, you know, we'll, we have to figure it out. We don't know. You know what we thought four weeks ago as we were steadfast planning to play in a, a venue with no fans <laughs> turned quickly into something different. Um, and so we pivoted from that. And I think that we're going to have to figure it out. I don't think there's too much consumption from sports. I think that there's enough pockets of people. Um, and if you do it strategically that we can find those areas. I do think that it's has collaboration though with the other leagues while we do it yeah. um we cross over now with in nfl and then on the back end we cross over with mlb um opening night i mean we're, we're playing in the thick of that usually hopefully we're going further obviously in playoffs but there there's some crossover that already exists and so adding another obviously league on top of that um but we're gonna have to work collaboratively with our broadcast partners, with um, our sports partners and, and properties and figure out how to do it the right way. Um, you know, we're not trying to compete against our, our neighbors um, and Indians next door. So we're gonna have to figure that out um, as we go. Uh, and, but I don't think there's too much consumption uh, and too much content that we can provide from a sports standpoint. So last question for you guys as we wrap up here, um, and this doesn't necessarily need to be pointed towards sports itself, but. I'm curious, and Justin, we'll start with you. What's something that you've learned um, in the middle of this crisis? What anything that you learned? One or one or two nuggets to take away. You're on mute, Justin. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I, I think people are more resilient um, than I probably gave them credit for. So I think as we made the decision to go completely work from home, um, I was concerned, quite frankly, about the morale, the engagement of the team, productivity, and. And candidly, it just hasn't been a concern. People have rallied together. Um, I do think to, to my earlier comment, we understand the stakes right now that, that banks are really in the middle, um, not on the front line, certainly the way that, that a hospital would be, but we're trying to keep people employed. We are trying to keep people in their homes um, and we're trying to give them some, some financial future and stability that, that perhaps they feel like they don't have right now. And so I think folks get it and they're stepping up to that opportunity. And so feel great as an organization and feel great as a marketing team that, we're meeting the need of our clients right now. Sam? All right, I'm unmuted this time. Justin, I feel better that you did it too. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I mean, it really is a couple of things. One is how, how the communities come together and the community as a whole um, 
you know, the business community locally, um, our team locally, but also the business community, you know, across probably the world, but at least for us uh, across the nation and, and seeing the collaboration and, um, you know, Justin said it about resilience. It's, I would have never thought about this as something that could happen, but to see the resilience for this, um, it definitely brings new meaning to that word that like when I would have thought of resilience in the business community, this and the community as a whole, this would not have been even in my wildest dreams. And it, so that part of it has been really good and reassuring and exciting to know like that if we can do this and we can get through this together, like, you know, the future looks awesome. Mary Beth. Yeah, I mean, I think as a marketer, the the one thing I've learned is being nimble um, and being able to pivot quickly, um, so that you know you're you can speak to the community appropriately. Um, I think the other part is is really just the partnership piece. You know, we talked about it at the beginning of what the Cavs have done, or the Indians, or all of our media partners, including you know ESPN Cleveland, and stepping up and helping us get PSAs out. So. The collaboration and the compassion and all of those sorts of things um, just makes you feel really good about, you know, that you have some really good friends and this Cleveland community is pretty amazing. Um, we've seen it nationally too. We have facilities in Florida and Vegas and, and obviously internationally and, and, you know, same thing across the board. So if nothing else there, you know, you do feel good about what people are doing for each other. But I think just from a marketer standpoint, um, learning to be a little bit more nimble is, is definitely a piece of this that I've learned. How about you, Shelly? Yeah, the same. I, I really got to echo the collaboration slash partner community. All of that fits for me into one bucket. I, you know, we haven't even shared everything. I know even Justin and Justin's team um, partnering with our HR team for Key at Work to help support our, our, our uh, employees and give them financial like advice, just advice to support them. Um, you know, again, Mary Beth, we talked about, we've done Cleveland Clinic. I mean, those stories go on and on and on. And it just, they happen fast too. It's like, no one said, let me sit down and put it together on a document and figure it out. Like they're like, go. And that has been really amazing to see. So that's a, a learning. And by the way, we're still collaborating. I go into every phone call now, like differently, because I'm like, we're trying to listen and, and learn and how um, we can help. So that's a big one. Communication's personal, I think, is one that I've learned. I'm curious to see when we go back to the office if people, you know, will people actually pick up a phone or will they feel the need to get on one of these virtual calls again? Right, right, right. <laughs> or if you don't after you've done it for a few months. I don't know. I think that's going to be interesting. Um, you know, we've used it to try to make it more normal, um, but but that's definitely communication. And I'd say the last one is just the pockets of productivity. You know, we, people, um, staff, community, that's, that's the most important working on right now, but we all are still running businesses. And so trying to find those pockets of productivity where we can, where they, they fit in um, has been interesting um, because we plan to come out of this and come out of it strong. Um, so keeping that and people focused on that as well. That's interesting. I've heard that during a number of conversations, whether it be inside our four walls or nonprofits that I get a chance to work with or other partners that we work with, people really do believe they're taking this moment of time to get better and strengthen their business. They're going to come out strong. So I, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens as I'm sure we all are as, as this all kind of wraps up. Guys, I got to tell you, this really surpassed my expectations to get to see some friends um, and see your beautiful faces. <laughs> and uh, Justin, I look forward to getting to know you a bit more too. And um, and just want to thank you all for, for taking time to, to, to uh, join us for the A-game webinar and, and podcast. Thank you so much. And if we can be of any support, let us know how we can do that. Justin, thank you. Shelly, thank you. Sam, thank you. Mary Beth, thank you. And Jeff, I'll turn it over to you. 
No, I think you put a nice bow on it right there. I think uh, this this is a conversation that we don't often take the time to get together and have, especially in a moment in time like this. So I think it's been amazing. Uh, we are, uh, Kevin, myself, and a handful of others are gonna be doing this for, you know, presumptively other verticals that we work in uh, that are particularly uh, hard hit by this. Uh, so I, I think it's, it's, it's a nice jump off uh, to what is hopefully going to be, uh, you know, minor setback for a major comeback for almost everybody. So thank you for all that you've done uh, for all of your organizations and uh, can't wait to see you all in person very shortly. Absolutely. Right. Thank you. Thanks everybody. Thanks guys. Have a good day. Thanks, guys. Right. Yeah. Bye bye.